0: Hi everyone, welcome to Generational Differences. I'm Hilary and I'm 29. Hi, I'm Hana and I'm 21. We're Chinese-American and we're sisters. What is Generational Differences? This is a podcast where we, as Asian-American sisters with an eight-year age gap, will discuss important issues like mental health, identity, and body image that are often not discussed in Asian-American or immigrant communities. explore them from our generational perspectives including how those differences or similarities have impacted each of us as asian american women we certainly didn't discuss these topics with our parents growing up so we want to share our perspectives precisely because it is so rare to talk about them between generations for me especially as an older sister i really want to dissect how my own trauma my mental health challenges and my successes in life have impacted my younger sister it's really not often that we can turn a mirror to generational trauma and generational influence in this personal way.
1: Yeah, totally, and I'm super excited to talk about uh, these underdiscussed topics because of just how strong the taboo and shame can be in Asian cultures around things like vulnerability, failure, and other struggles that are all a natural part of life. Um, and I also just want people to know that they're not alone if They're going through certain challenges and if sometimes it feels like the hardest people to be open with are their own family members.
0: We also know that these topics can be very intense and emotional. So we also want to share some of the more fun parts of being sisters and growing up together. In that spirit, we'll have certain segments where we just share funny stories, dreams, or explore things like Gen Z slang together. Because that's definitely a challenge I've been facing as someone who's almost 30. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so today we're going to start by talking about mental health and Asian American immigrant parents, and we're also then going to share some of Hillary's weird dreams, (laughs) and then finally I have a test of Gen Z (laughs) slaying. And this is our first podcast, uh,
0: first episode, first podcast really ever, so bear with us. We're excited to talk with you, we're excited to hear from you, Um, and we're excited to share some of the some of the challenges we've gone through in our lives and that we hope will resonate with all of you.
1: All right, we're gonna jump right into our main topic. Um, Hillary, do you wanna talk a little bit about mental health in Asian American and Pacific Islander communities? Yes, and just before I do
0: that, uh, just a disclaimer, we're not therapists, we're not scientists, we're not mental health experts, we're just humans that deal with mental health issues just like every other human in this world. Um, and we know that everyone's experience with mental health is different, vastly different. And so I just want to put that out there that we're really only here to share our experiences. What has worked or what has not worked for us may not be the same for everyone listening. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's really important to acknowledge right from the the forefront. Yeah. But when we're talking about mental health in Asian American communities, um, I just did a little bit of internet research as an avid internet researcher, Googler. Um, and according to Mental Health America, which is a big nonprofit in the, in the US, um, Asian Americans are the least likely racial group in the US to seek mental health services. According to a study conducted in 2010 by a team led by Abe Kim et al., only 8.6% of Asian Americans. Sought any type of mental health services or resource compared to nearly 18% of the general population nationwide, and to acknowledge 18% is still low um, for the general population. But mm-hmm. then we look at the numbers for Asian Americans in less than half, and that's yeah. a very small percentage. Um, and then when we look at the other kind of the other end, in 2019, a study by the Edward Roybal Institute of Aging at USC found that 44% of Asian Americans surveyed actually indicated that they did experience mental distress compared to a lower 18% in the general population. Essentially, what we're getting at there is the, num- the percent of Asian Americans dealing with mental health is not low to the point that that's what's driving people not accessing services. Mm-hmm. It's that people are struggling, but they're also not seeking help. Right. Um, or for whatever reason like there are a lot of reasons people don't know how to seek help or don't want to seek help Um, and then we also found that in 2018 a study from the American Psychological Association found that um, only five percent of therapists or somewhere I think the numbers are a little unclear here but maybe somewhere between one to five percent of therapists are Asian Um, and so I think
1: just to start the U.S. yeah yeah in in the the U.S. US. Thank you, which is crazy
0: yeah that's so low and it's sometimes when we think about looking for a therapist we want to find someone who is asian if we're asian or you know just matches mm. our ethnic background or at least our racial background yeah. um and so without those people as therapists it's very hard to find those services and so i want to kind of start this conversation with hana by just asking both of us um if this surprises you hana um like these numbers mm-hmm. um or if this just kind of just reaffirms things you already thought about mental health in the asian american community um, and maybe how that relates to how you grew up thinking about mental health
1: i think it's really interesting to to be able to have these statistics and look at them i think in my experience as someone who has sought services before for therapy it's not surprising because it does sort of line up with my own personal experience i've actually never across a therapist who's who is um asian when looking for one actually hillary and i were we were talking about her therapist or a therapist that you came across right mm-hmm. or, I th-
0: yeah when i was in college
1: yes who was asian mm-hmm. and after that since that point have you met or seen any um
0: oh wait sorry i thought asian you therapists? yeah sorry i thought you were talking about a therapist i met in college who was not asian but though i did meet a therapist who was asian kind of recently earlier this year um and other than that i know a few but only because i used to work at an organization that worked specifically with asian americans Mm -hmm. um but like even they had a very limited list of asian therapists who were offering, like, low-cost or pro bono services to people.
1: Yeah, I remember you, when you told me that she was Asian, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I I really haven't thought, maybe it hadn't even crossed my mind that um, there were Asian therapists just because I was just, you know, have been so used to seeing uh, mainly white therapists. Mm.
0: Do you think that having an Asian therapist, well, I guess you haven't experienced it, but do you think it's something that you would benefit from in a
1: particular way? I do think so, just because um there well, first of all, I find that there is comfort in you know seeing someone and talking about a lot of vulnerable subjects with someone who looks like you or maybe has grown up like you mm-hmm. or knows um the immigrant experience and or has had immigrant parents, yeah, so I think there's definitely comfort there. What do you think? I
0: agree, and I think to go a little deeper on that, I think it's important because sometimes our immigrant parents or the immigrant experience as a second gen person and then kind of vicariously through our first generation parents is kind of the root of a lot of our trauma yeah Um, and like personally for example I'll just share that one of the things I struggled with a lot in college was uh, body image and disordered eating Um, and so struggling with things like over exercise bulimia things like that uh, i I sought help at my college's counseling services mm-hmm. um, and that's actually where I met that white therapist um, that I brought up earlier who I think was not a good fit on many different levels um but I didn't feel totally comfortable talking to her about like how my how the chinese American part of me or my parents um and how they see body image in the asian American community or how we see it impacted how i saw my body Mm -hmm. Um, and the beauty standards in like china for example versus what we see in the u.s versus um kind of just what's expected of us growing up here Um, and so having someone who could also be like oh yeah i totally know that in china like a size large is like an extra small here and that's that can be traumatizing for someone who's not super super skinny right and that can impact your mental health Uh, really negatively
1: yeah and like as a kid you don't know anything about the different beauty standards in other countries or anything and so it's really really problematic in a lot of ways and i've heard probably from almost all of my asian um, girlfriends that they've had some kind of experience with their parents or with their immigrant parents around body image, you know, mm-hmm. eating, disordered eating and not realizing that it's disordered eating. Right. Yeah. And
0: it's only, of course, like amplified by the beauty standards in the US too. like, we'll, we'll definitely try to do an episode specifically on body image. I think that's really important. Um, my sister and I come from different angles on that, and I think that'll be good to dive into. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another thing I think in terms of accessing therapists and services that are culturally relevant to you is like in language services. Um, it's less relevant to us because english is our main language but like for people who speak chinese as their first language like our parents for example it would be extra hard for them to seek um any sort of mental health Very services true, yeah. um, they would feel much more comfortable talking in chinese or like korean or japanese or whatever they're looking for um and when there's only you know a single digit percent of therapists who are even asian in the first place how many have language competencies
1: you know yeah absolutely i actually didn't think much about that and we do know a handful of immigrant parents who do struggle with mental health and who are very close to us and maybe they're not the same generation as us but definitely a lot of mental health challenges there as well and a lot of difficulty probably even talking about them in the first place let alone finding or looking for a therapist so
0: i mean i think that's totally related because we we wanted to focus on like how we grew up thinking about mental health Um, And how that's changed in our lives, and I think people of our parents' generation, including our parents, friends, parents, Mm -hmm. just other community members that we know, I think just like being an immigrant carries with it a lot of trauma. It also carries, often carries with it like a lack of a desire to then talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard from tons of my friends who, uh, whose parents are like refugees from Southeast Asia. Um, and they fled the Vietnam War as refugees, like in boats and um, going through refugee camps and re education camps. And then they come to the US and try to resettle and set up their lives with their families. And that's just a lot of trauma to process. And I think For that's sure. kind of one end of the immigrant experience. Our parents, obviously, I mean, not obviously, our parents came more through like student visas and uh, mm-hmm. family based visas and things like that. Um, but still relocating leaving your family behind across the world yeah. um, coming somewhere where you don't speak the language having children and having to raise them in a brand new culture like that is hard and that leads to trauma generational trauma and i think that's kind of the framework we're coming at when it comes to immigrant communities i wanted to ask if you wanted to share a little bit now about maybe how you grew up thinking about your own mental health and access to like what it meant to care about your mental health and then how maybe that how that's changed as you've grown
1: it has definitely changed a lot um growing up under our immigrant our immigrant household mental health i think for the most part wasn't talked about too much it was mostly just like if you work hard and um do well then you should be happy there wasn't much nuance around that Mm. in my opinion
0: that's an interesting way to think about it i'd never thought about it kind of like that directly i think that's true though
1: Mm -hmm. essentially right like the most essential parts of our parents wanting us to succeed revolved around working hard and like seeing the rewards from from that hard work as a consequence like well it was sort of like your mental health should then be good because you're good like right what is there really to be upset about or feel things around
0: yeah, I think we get that now, even still from our parents. Like True. when we're stressed, or we are, we say like we have anxiety, or we're dealing with like depressive episodes, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or like they hear from their friends that like their friends were going through depression or something like that. Um, yeah, they raise questions like, what does that even really mean? Like, right. why are they sad? Right. Without really understanding and not maybe not to their fault because they did grow up in different culture um, about this but like really not understanding that having depression or anxiety is more than just being sad or worried right um which is really
1: hard for like when you're growing up did you also feel that sort of
0: yeah i think growing up i until like probably college i never really scrutinized my mental health yeah um although i knew i was dealing with a lot of Mm -hmm. body image related issues i started having really bad anxiety and panic attacks in college and that was kind of when i was like oh shoot (laughs) i should probably Mm -hmm. you know think about this or try to seek help or whatever Um, but growing up it was like at home it was just kind of like yeah keep keep working hard you know shoot for success and then life will be good Mm -hmm. Um, i just think there's no concept of caring about mental health or even just thinking about mental health as part of like your your happiness. It's happiness is more assumed based on what you're doing and like there has to be like a particular trigger for something to be sad or hard. Mhm. Uh, right, which that's right. not always the case.
1: No. And yeah, I I felt that too like getting to college and realizing that there's a lot more to mental health than I knew originally mm-hmm. and wanted to explore about myself when I did feel stuff it was really hard to open up obviously at home Mm -hmm. for one like our parents well for one obviously you don't want to make your parents sad like you don't want to be like I think I have depression I think I have really bad anxiety and I don't know what to do like it can be really scary so I can see how that I mean that was definitely something that I felt like I could never talk to them about Mm -hmm. and secondly like like Hillary said, kind of mentioned, like there is no real understanding or concept of labeling stuff like depression in our household, and I'm sure a lot um, in a lot of other immigrant households, and so it's sometimes treated like a joke or like laughed at, even like mm. oh, if like you have this issue, then the next time you know you guys get together, our mom might be like, oh, haha, like you can't say that or like you can't be sensitive towards something because Hana is going to be upset or like you know uh-huh. stuff, stuff like that
0: or just is like even clear? like yeah. oh you're depressed again you know yeah like, and it's
1: it's supposed to be funny yeah, or whatever yeah which is
0: not <laughs> yeah and that's like a <laughs> the whole... painful laughter I know, the <laughs> painful laugh <lap. laughs> but i think that even adds like another layer of trauma on top of all the trauma because right. it's like <laughs> trivializing things exactly. that you're still figuring out yourself that's hard it's hard I think. But it's
1: also hard for me to, like, be really mad when that happens. I just sort of feel hurt Mm -hmm. and um, not by our parents, but just hurt in general. Like, uh, I wish wish it could be um, more understood. I wish it could be more comfortable for them to talk to me about this. And so it's not really their fault. Right. I think on
0: the other end for them, it's like they don't know how to talk about it. And it's awkward. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, scary for them, too, because, like... Hearing big words like depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, eating disorder, you know, yeah. like that's stressful for any parent, but then for someone who really doesn't get what's happening or like why things are happening, um, that's worse.
1: Yeah, because those things are like the worst thing that can happen to your kid. Right. As an immigrant parent, you're like, like drugs. Besides drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just like Or early two- pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, yes. true, true. Yeah. These are good points. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this stuff, like the labels, I think there's a huge stigma around them in right, Asian yeah. culture. So. Yes.
0: I feel, I don't know, I feel, I wish I knew more about like the history of mental health in China. I feel like all I know is that like there's this giant taboo and like giant stigma, mm-hmm. people with any mental health issue. Actually in the US too, like even now, but especially as we were growing up, there's just like all this stigma and misunderstanding about like what people need to feel better and stigmatizing people who need medication and things like that yeah now I feel like people are more like oh therapy's cool like you need a therapist
1: (laughs) but um growing up it was different right totally different like not even I know I at least for me I know this is um yeah now it seems like oh what the heck but when I was a kid I was like wow if I ever get to the point where I need like someone to help me to talk to someone or a therapist like that's really bad like, like that's a horrible up. thing like yeah. that that means that I like effed up really bad but no obviously that's not true, that's not true. <laughs> but that's kind of like you know how we felt growing up and so
0: actually that reminds me of a story because when I was I don't remember I was probably like a like a pre-teen or something I think I was in high school or early high school or middle school mm-hmm. and I was dealing with like really bad episodes of binge eating mm-hmm. so I would like starve myself and then binge eat in secret
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: Bad. It was very bad for me. Um, but my dad knew, or my par- our parents knew, but like they, and they, all they did to try to stop me was like hide the food or scream at me.
1: Can you say, sorry, can you say like a little bit what is binge eating in case people don't know?
0: Yeah, I think it can look different for different people. Um, essentially, it's like eating. Overeating like, copious amounts of food in one, like, sitting. Mm.
1: Um,
0: And it's often tied to, like, emotional... At least for me, it was tied to, like, emotional stress or, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, like, periods of emotional overeating. Um, But what I would do was, like, starve myself during the day and, like, not eat meals or, like, skip meals or whatever and, like, be really proud that I did that, which Mm. was also disordered, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, just lose my self-control and just eat like a ton of candy or a ton of ice cream or something in one period usually like at night when no one was watching Mm -hmm. or like just you know trying to hide it as much as possible yeah um which is really bad for your body really bad and then but then i just remember one time when like my parents got really really mad at me for doing that Because they didn't know how, like, they didn't know anything beyond like I was just eating a lot of food.
1: (laughs) I didn't know that you skipped meals. I thought you always ate with us, or did you just try to eat less? I just wouldn't eat breakfast or dinner. Oh, I mean lunch, breakfast or lunch. I actually have a small faint memory of this. Okay. Oh yeah, you were young. I was really young, and so it's really hard for me to to even think about any of this happening, but
0: yeah, Yeah, it was mostly I was mostly just dealing with it by myself because you were so young. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was really. At that period of my life, middle school and high school, was very bad disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And so it was bad patterns. And then it got worse in college, so we'll <laughs> talk about that later. Um, but in terms of the binge eating, my parents, to them, it just looked like they thought I was just eating regularly and then binging. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you have no self-control. Like You're just going to get fat. You're eating all these you know, terrible things, so right. unhealthy. Um, and without, looking, without understanding the underlying issue, I didn't even really understand the underlying issue, um, and I wasn't seeking help. So, uh-huh. but just one time, I just remember my dad being like, "You know, maybe you're so messed up, you do need therapy. Like, maybe I do need to send you to like some counselor because, like, I don't think there's anything we can do to help you."
1: Oh, I remember that happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at that time, it, just what you said earlier reminded me because at that time I was like, "Oh crap! Like, I must yeah. be really effed up because oh. if not." Like, I would never need to go to therapy. Like, that's, that's serious. Right, that's right, professional right.
1: help. Because we didn't really
0: understand any of that. Yeah. And it really scared me. Like, the threat of therapy was, like... Yeah. I tried to push myself to be better because I didn't want to go to... Like, have to go to therapy. Or want our parents
1: to think something like that, right? Yeah. I remember that, actually, that moment being really intense. And the same thing went through my head where I was, like, oh, that must mean Hillary is, like, going through a lot. Or, like, mm. there's something really bad happening. Right just like with that one word because that's what our idea of therapy was growing up
0: yeah and to acknowledge like it was a really bad time and i was going through a lot and i should have sought therapy but i think our reaction like our such Mm -hmm. a negative reaction to that word really shows like the lack of understanding of what therapy really was or um like what it meant to seek help you know like it was like a threat and was like unsafe or like scary instead Mm -hmm. of like like trying to care for yourself
1: yeah random question um did did you ever learn about mental health in school growing up like mm. depression anxiety those types of things because i know for me i i remember we learned about disordered eating in okay. health class okay especially for girls and yeah um all the different labels and what the men where to get help and stuff but i don't know if i ever really learned about depression or anxiety actually in school:
0: yeah, I was going to ask you to tell me first because I don't think that I did, and I obviously went through the same kind of like health ed as you like eight years before you did <laughs> so oh, yeah. it might have changed we went to the same school. We went to the same school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so actually no, we went to different middle schools but true. still different uh, time right, right, and right. so at that time i don't remember it, so I feel like that means it wasn't a big part of our education if we did like touch on it maybe we touched on it i feel like maybe we touched on it on it in high school Mm. but i think it was related to like drug use like mental health stuff always gets tied to drug use and pregnancy and pregnancy (laughs) the the, the horrors (laughs) the three horrors yeah and so i feel like it gets tied to these things that just make the stigma worse or it's not talked about and i remember health class really just revolving around like reproductive health mm-hmm. but probably not even in a good way uh and, abstinence like <laughs> abstinence and like not to get political or
1: anything but yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i don't remember health class very well i don't think it was that helpful
1: <laughs> no i don't i don't think so either um that's
0: interesting though I, I wonder if it's
1: changed i do too i hope that it's more on the forefront of the health classes now but i don't yeah. know i really don't know and i i we maybe we can look into that but
0: If you're listening and you're 15 or (laughs) whatever age it is when you're going through health class in middle school or high school, hit us up. Let us know if your syllabus covers uh, anxiety and depression depression specifically and any other mental health, bipolar, Mm -hmm. you know, schizophrenia. Everything's important to know about. It's all a spectrum too. So let us know
1: it definitely should be a part of it well well bef- well <laughs> well before college because i know oh, yeah. i learned about it in college in psychology oh um, yeah classes
0: but that's only if you decide to take those. that's classes. only if you
1: decide to take those classes
0: so so do you want to talk more on that note about kind of like how you what you learned about it and yourself in college and like how you where you are now in, in your journey
1: hmm yeah so after growing up with uh, no education in um, <laughs> stigma, yeah. in any mental health area, mostly. Um, yeah, I kind of just went into college thinking nothing about it, like. And
0: for I, context, Hannah's now in her senior year of college, yes, so she's yes. reaching
1: the end. Yes, I'm reaching the end. So four years ago, I left home and I went to college, and I was kind of just like not thinking about it at all because um, I never really had I know in high school senior year of high school, I kind of thought about um my feelings a little bit more and I like i I knew I was like feeling sad at sometimes and you know, even like looking back when I was younger, I kind of see like moments of sadness that I didn't really understand mm-hmm. as a kid, like even in middle school and stuff so but then in college, yeah, I took a lot of classes and I met a lot of people, a lot of really great people who were a lot more open about mental health and they would talk about stuff that I could resonate with like um, how they felt sad for no reason or that they like just wanted to be alone sometimes for no reason or sometimes they wanted to cry and I was just like dude me too like I didn't know that was mm. normal you know and mm-hmm. I didn't know that a lot of it was due to stress for me at least mm-hmm. um and just like i guess hormones and growing up and stuff was Mm -hmm. was crazy and so growing up is crazy growing up is crazy Mm -hmm. and yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) um obviously uh yeah i met a lot more asian people too and so we grew up like in a state with not many i guess i guess we're better than some states but with not a lot grew up in oregon um yeah i think there's
0: like clusters of asians (laughs) but it's really white
1: yeah it's not <laughs> a huge asian american yeah. like community right. that is super supportive i guess or close Perfectly. so yeah um in college that changed and i became a lot more open about mental health i
0: yeah
1: went through a lot of stuff too and i struggled a lot with sadness and anxiety and just random mood swings and stuff and bouts of that yeah. um happening and so I think it was last year I started seeing a therapist. Or maybe two years now. I'm not sure. But mm. um, our school offers free, um, like, on-demand support and therapy. So it's really great. And so I started seeing a therapist and talking about, you know, sadness, anxiety. And, um, oh, I also had, like, test anxiety <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> that I had test to deal with sucks. and uh, figure out. So that's kind of where I am now. I'm still, you know, figuring things out. So
0: yeah which is really important and like to acknowledge that it's a journey hana mm-hmm. is i'm super proud of hana
1: for everything that she's don't say that now they're gonna think you're like, what? <laughs> i'm like a little child no
0: <laughs> i am proud i'm proud of all my friends and my family who like put a lot of effort into their mental health and really are honest with themselves like where they are i think that's kind of like that's huge just to be honest with yourself like okay i am dealing with this true but i am going to get through it and i'm gonna i i care about you know mm-hmm. working on this right, right that's so important and i love to hear that okay. um, and also for context hana and i also went to the same college <laughs> 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 i went to the we we yeah i graduated from the same college that she is currently at yeah so we're through and through, same <laughs> schools. Um, it's good to hear that, you know, access to mental health has improved at Emory, hopefully. Oh, yeah, yeah, or at least you've had better luck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh, shoot. Yeah, we went to Emory <laughs> in Atlanta. Um, great school. Love Emory. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of how I started seeing my mental health uh-huh. and learning to be more vulnerable and open... Honestly, I think it was the same deal. Mm. We're eight years apart, but I think it was the same process. I left home. Um, and honestly, like, our parents are great. Oregon is great. High school friends were great, um, but in a very different mm-hmm. way. And we went, I went to Emory also and met a very diverse group of friends who talked not only about mental health openly, but, like, racial equity, social justice, like, um, all these big topics, diversity generally, inclusion, things like that. Where I was like holy crap like <laughs> yeah in uh in high school I was like volunteering and doing like certain kinds of volunteer service and stuff but I never thought about like social or political justice
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and so that part of that is mental health and taking care of our communities um in in all these different yeah. ways and so as other people started talking about things that they'd been through um, that pushed me. I, it it was relatively easy. I'm very grateful that it was, felt relatively easy for me to be able to share things. A lot of the times it's because I've already dealt with it. So I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I went through. But when you're, when you're actively dealing with something, I think that's like the hardest time to admit what's going on with you or what you're struggling with because you don't want people to like see you differently or, you know, try to offer you all these all like unsolicited advice or whatever, you know? There's a lot of fear in that. Um, but yeah, really just meeting people who are also open building trust with people um and then hannah and i were able to talk openly the two of us about our struggles that we'd been through and that was really helpful for me mm. um, and i think it really strengthened our relationship
1: that's that's a good point yeah because we never really i mean with the big age gap like it was sort of like i was becoming a semi-person a real person. when you <laughs> left college like i was just a child and so
0: yeah when i left for um... college you were seven what? Wait, no, no, no! You were not fifteen sorry, sorry, when you went sorry. to college. I was seventeen, so you were a nine.
1: I was nine. Oh my god, that's not much different. <laughs> still small. Okay. Dude, I was nine. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my god. Just a, so tiny. Yeah. Nine or ten. Yeah. When you graduated, I was four. Yeah, I'm like 13, 14, So.
0: Yeah, it was really when. So after college, I went through to law school, and it was really I think in law school, mm-hmm. I was still struggling with a lot of the same things that I struggled with before, and mm-hmm. that I continue to deal with. Um, but that was kind of that was when Hanna was starting to. you you were finishing high school and then starting college, and so yeah, yeah, that was like an important time in our relationship.
1: Yeah. And we could also talk a lot more about intense topics, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so in like relationships and relationships, stuff. yeah, yeah. Hillary's like um, my second mom. So like, <laughs> basically everything she went through, I also learned from. Yeah, <laughs> <The true>. consequence. <laughs> The bad
0: stuff I did. (laughs) The good stuff. right. Oh, um, also, Hannah's applying to
1: law school. (laughs) So it's cool. We're the same person. Okay, yeah. Eight years apart. Everyone's going to think I'm just, like, an imposter. Like, not a real person. I'm just my sister's clone. No, no, no.
0: But I just... Something I just Mm. thought about was we should do an episode on older sibling slash younger sibling
1: Trauma. <laughs> trauma. Stereotypes trauma. Yeah, mostly yeah.
0: mostly older sibling trauma. Because I see a lot of that. But yeah. yes, yes, we should talk about that.
1: <laughs> that would be interesting because I don't know much about it, even though I think it's funny to see memes and stuff on socialization traits and stuff. Those about memes. About um, older sibling trauma, but it's like something I'll never experience. And yeah. so, yeah. That's true. I'll talk about Thanks it. Thanks for handling <laughs> all the trauma.
0: <laughs> Just as some background for y'all, there's a meme that goes around once in a while usually posted by an older sibling uh on the internet that's like a baby or like a like a person sleeping in a cot or like in a bed i don't know why i said cot.
1: peacefully sleeping yeah
0: peacefully sleeping dreaming and then standing above them is like a military person with their arms open and like bullets flying into their back or their front or whatever um the person looks very calm usually i think um like solemn like yeah like very solemn that's right you're right accepted
1: uh, their position
0: and the bullets are labeled with stuff like i don't know yeah. immigrant trauma yeah. mental health like, like just all these things <laughs> you know like career decisions right.
1: whatever pressure basically pressure and so yeah that i'm this one sleeping honest dreaming <laughs> yeah well, i'm defending yeah yeah
0: it's it's funny but it's also it's, <laughs> it's also <laughs> your life it's also, painful it's also your life, so <laughs> yeah yeah we'll talk about it though i mean you know. it's 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 not all bad. It's a lot of good stuff, too. Um, and so being an older sister. Yeah. So, yeah, we should definitely talk about that.
1: Um, is there anything else that you want to share about your own mental health experience um, in the API community or anything before we, we switch gears?
0: I think there are probably still a million things we could talk about, but I, I do want to mention uh, at least one other challenge that I know that I faced and that other people faced uh, when I was looking for a therapist in law school, in particular, I didn't want to use my insurance because it was through my parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I didn't want them to see that I was looking for a therapist or getting mm-hmm. uh, therapy. So I just looked for options to pay for a therapist out of pocket, mm-hmm. which was really opened my eyes to how expensive it was. How expensive was it? Uh, shoot, I, I'm trying, I think it was like at least over a hundred for each session which was like an hour, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot. For, well, when was this? It's
1: probably even more now.
0: Right, yeah. I think that was like in 2015, 2016 when I was in law school. Yeah. Um, and that was in North Carolina. And so I was looking and I think I think it was like about that or more. And I think depending on your location, it could be even more. Mm. Um, so for uninsured people or people who don't, you know, aren't able to use their insurance for mental health services, that's such a big barrier. And I'm not saying this to like fault therapists I just think that like as a system access to mental health services is not prioritized and I could go on for literally a million years about what the government should and shouldn't be prioritizing right now Mm. (laughs) but in terms of mental health access um, I think it should be made way cheaper way easier for people and then like people should be supported to become therapists Mm -hmm. um, things like that and I no policy expert on this but I think that um There definitely need to be some changes there because that's an insurmountable barrier
1: for some yeah, people. I agree that's like nearly impossible for most people who mm-hmm. may be seeking services so
0: yeah, um and then I think the other things we've already kind of talked about are just like the the fear of even starting to look for help and asking and then once you seek help asking about things like medication, I think medication can be still very stigmatized um, and uncertain mm-hmm. for people, just like therapy. And I think one of the challenges of seeking help is, like, not knowing for sure if it's going to help. So, like, if you have a sore throat and you go to the doctor, like, it's probably very likely that they'll be able to give you something to make it go away. Or they'll be able to look at, like, your broken finger or whatever and do something. Um, but in therapy and with medications and all mental health stuff, it's so... Variable. Variable. Yeah, exactly. You could meet a ther- you could meet 10 therapists you don't like, and you have to keep pushing through to like keep searching and keep trying and dealing with the side effects dealing with um the impact of like the trauma of not finding a good therapist like Mm -hmm. it's all very hard yeah um and then you're dealing with that as you're trying to deal with like the other mental health challenges that you went to search for help for in the first place right so it's kind of just like you know a really hard thing to keep doing i definitely have friends who just gave up looking because they just couldn't like their Mm -hmm. depression or their anxiety couldn't Uh, wouldn't allow them to keep trying. right? And I think that just speaks to even more of the importance of continuing to talk about it um, and change, especially in the Asian American community, change how we talk about it and see it with both with our parents and our friends, um, but then also looking at it from a bigger like government policy level.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something I struggle with too, like considering things like medication and seeing how people around me have had a lot of issues with their medication or um it's even made it worse in a lot of cases and so having the courage to get to that point and know that you are doing the right thing for yourself and know that you're not alone when you have when you might have some bad experiences or have trouble um feeling better i think is really important to remember and remind yourself of
0: yeah and so then kind of to just a little bit of a different topic but still related um do we want to talk a little bit about things that have helped us like short of you know seeking professional help which we've talked about a lot are there things that we do in our daily lives to try to get through really hard days sad days Mm -hmm. um you know bad body image days for me things like that anxious days yeah. yeah if you have anything to share there i think that'd be
1: that'd be cool for me Uh, what i've noticed recently that has worked very well is (laughs) self-care just Mm -hmm. self-care i think used to be something i was just like oh yeah like you do it maybe it'll help you it's just like a little thing it probably won't so but (laughs) more recently it's um, become a really big part of my routine to like do things i really like doing and for me that stuff like um, learning an instrument i'm learning ukulele mm-hmm. right now which brings really me good. a lot of happiness i'm not good but <laughs> it brings me a lot of happiness to okay. um feel fulfilled in that area mm-hmm. and i also like to paint i like to draw and do art and spend time doing those activities that bring me happiness quickly and easily and mm-hmm. what about you yeah well first First of all,
0: our dope at dope logo um, for generational differences. Hana designed that, so she is a very talented artist. Obviously, no. give her props. Uh, but second of all, I really like your definition of self care because I think self care has also become these this like buzzword where people are like, oh, let's just do some face masks and light some candles and take a bath, mm-hmm. uh, which can be your self care for sure. But it's also kind of seen as just like this band aid that you can like right, do. Right, right and it makes terrible things better which is not necessarily true Mm -hmm. Um, but i like your definition because it really sounds like you are trying to do things that genuinely make you feel happy make you feel fulfilled like you're generally genuinely caring for yourself and your heart and your mind and you're not just like you know doing things for the sake of you know, making a nice, you know, like making your skin feel nice. I mean, that's that's that can be your
1: self-care too. Sure. But I think it's not. We're we're shitting on people who take care of their skin. We're not crapping on people. Um, We like to take care
0: of our skin too. (laughs) Um, But I'm just saying it's not just a band-aid. It's like you're thinking deeply about what actually makes you feel good. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and that can look different for everyone.
1: I know you like to exercise with self-care, right?
0: Yeah, part of my self-care is definitely exercise. I try to be really consistent with that because it makes me feel really happy after especially even on really bad days like that makes me feel better after i've done it Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes honestly it's just a matter of like getting your shorts on and getting out the door or like getting your weights out or whatever and then Mm -hmm. forcing yourself to even if you don't feel good right for other things that work for me in terms of mental health uh i mean still talking to people talking to my my husband, newly married, my Ooh. new husband, um, talking to Hana, mm-hmm. talking to my friends who have gone through the same thing. Like, I think that still yeah. really helps. Yeah.
1: And Learning then... it out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think other self-care I do is reading, writing, and then... <laughs> Hana and I kind of both do this. We watch shows or, like, <laughs> yeah. YouTube videos that we've seen a million times. Yeah, And we've talked about <laughs> this um, and why this works for us because... It's predictable. Mm-hmm. It's very comforting. comforting. Yes, exactly. It's comforting. <laughs> There's no unexpected intensity. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: You don't get like, you know. You don't get worked yeah, up. Exactly. You know what's coming.
0: Even if something like kind of sad or weird happens, like you know it's coming, you know. For me, it shows like The Office, like Friends. How I met your mother. Like, I've literally
1: watched these shows probably 40 yeah. times through. Sometimes I ask you what you're doing, and you're like, I'm watching The Office, and I'm like, Again, again, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I uh, shout
0: out to the Try Guys and their whole community because their oh, yeah. videos have really gotten me through. I was really into that, really, really <laughs> into it. I watch every video as soon as it drops, I listen to all the podcasts. It's just very comforting, it makes me feel really great like yeah. it feels like i have someone there talking to me about you know their day or telling jokes um and i've watched them all and <laughs> yeah but it, it is it's gotten me through quarantine it's gotten me through so much so just yeah. finding those things and like not being ashamed to spend time watching or doing something that makes you feel good makes you feel happy yes
1: don't let anyone make you feel bad for doing that kind of stuff for yourself yeah or like don't don't feel like pressure on yourself to watching movies right to like <laughs> spend time doing other things yeah because that stuff is important really important yeah um well if there's is there anything else you want to share or
0: should we talk about um just a couple mental health related intentions that we have for the new year as we go into 2022
1: i think that this topic sort of naturally flows into into talking about our intentions because i think one of my intentions um for 2022 is going to be like I guess prioritizing those activities that make me feel good and not forgetting about them mm-hmm. because they clearly help me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, not putting pressure on myself because I put a lot of pressure on myself to, like, be doing something important or useful right. or... productive. You know, productive by, by <laughs> are my parents' terms, um, mm-hmm. like, society, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But... A lot of the things I do for self-care are productive for me. And so just remembering that is one of my intentions. That's great. And then
0: I think um, one of my intentions is to have patience, a little bit more patience this year. Um, A lot of things are changing in my life. My husband and I are obviously newly married and then we are going to be moving soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking to buy a house lots of adult things that are really terrifying Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: like last week I was like I'm just gonna crawl into a hole and rent a hole forever (laughs) (laughs) Um, but just having patience with myself letting myself process those emotions having but then also having patience for newness and things outside my comfort zone trying to have patience for other people just patience and we talked about setting intentions for our mental health this year because We think that although goals and resolutions can be really useful, and you can, we also, I also set a couple of those. um, They're not always the most useful for everyone, and so we wanted to kind of set frameworks for ourselves instead, just like energy that we want to carry into the new year. Yeah, Um, and I think that's can be most impactful for our mental health in particular. And if you listeners have similar experiences that you've gone through, if anything we said resonated with you, um, if you have mental health related or other intentions for yourself for this new year that we're going into uh let us know in the comments and leave us a review let us know we would love to hear from you yeah (laughs) all right now we're gonna move on to another segment where we talk about dreams uh yeah this is where it's gonna get weird y'all so bear with us uh, we thought about sharing dreams in particular on this podcast because, well, first, Tana and I often will text each other right when we wake up after mm-hmm. we've had a really weird dream. <laughs> and we just send each other like a slew of texts that are like, I have the weirdest dream. <laughs> this is what happened. Right. Um, and it's really funny to look back on. Like the other day, we were just looking back on all our texts about dreams. And we were like, wow, our brains are messed up. Yeah. Um, but then also I was thinking about it and I think. That our dreams actually often do reflect, like, certain parts of our relationships with each other and with our families and other challenges we've gone through. Like, obviously, I, I mean, not obviously, but I think everyone has dreams that, like, represent their fears or, like, uh, things that they're anticipating. Like, yeah. you know, I get lost in schools a lot in my dream. I guess I must have a horrible fear of school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also dreams are, are, some of our dreams are just really freaking weird and they make us laugh. And so we wanted to share that with you, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the themes of uh, dreams that I have recently been having are dreams where I have to save Hana, <laughs> which I think is very obvious and clear, like where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, she's my little sister and I'm protective of her and I want to make sure she's okay. And so I recently had a dream where literally the whole dream was just Hana trying to dive, high dive <laughs> off a cliff into dangerous waters and me trying to stop her. And every oh time I turned around to, like, do something else, she was like, okay, I'm going to go flip myself off a cliff. And I was like, no, stop. Oh, my God. And so that was the whole dream. Uh, it was really traumatizing, and I woke up. Yeah. And, of course, immediately had to tell her. I thought Hannah.
1: it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, damn, like a little, I'm just like Just trying cat. to run away. I'm not even like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, like a cat. Ugh. Like, why? But I could see that. Uh, we both immediately were just like, oh uh, this sounds like yeah, it's some trauma this it's like life, being the yeah. older sister yeah like <laughs> this is how you are you're always worried about me and yep I'm like you know thinking about me and so <laughs> yeah that's
0: true and then speaking of cats I also had a dream I I have two cats for our listeners um, they're siblings and one's named Belle after Belle Hooks and one's named Bader after Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, and in this dream Belle was suing Bader in court uh, for eating her food <laughs> Because such a lawyer dream. I know. When I told my husband, he was like, Duh, you're such a cat mom and also a lawyer. Yeah, like It's so fast. obvious. Uh, but she was suing him because Vader was stealing her food, which he sometimes does in real life. Um, and the judge kept asking me to clarify which cat was the plaintiff and which was the defendant.
1: Because <laughs> they look similar. And I was like,
0: uh, your honor, the one with the white feet and the chest is the plaintiff. Okay. <laughs> and then in my dream, the cats were just like standing around the little judge's bench. Oh my god, that is so cute. Yeah. That has nothing to do with our generational stuff. It's more to do with like my my weird brain about my cats. It's so funny.
1: Obsession so with cats. Funny. <laughs> I couldn't believe you had that dream. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, these dreams are really like exemplifying your life. Like, <laughs> also
0: it was QAF. The
1: the cats are so cute.
0: Um anyway, that's that's all for the dreams. So our last segment for today, and thanks for being with us until the end uh is testing gen z slang yes and i'm actually pretty nervous (laughs) because hannah's gonna make fun of me because she always thinks i don't know anything and she calls me a boomer
1: yeah here we go because hillary acts like a boomer she's technically a millennial but she acts (laughs) like an old lady sometimes and so i think it's hilarious and sometimes she'll be like what does this mean what does like this new slang mean and i'm just like what do you think it means and she always gets it wrong so (laughs) well here we go (laughs) here we go and i think some of these you might no or get right actually
0: okay so are you going to tell me the word and then if i need you to use it in a sentence will you like do you know how?
1: um okay i think i think what we should do is they're all phrases i think oh, okay. we can either like i'll tell you the phrase and then you can try to use it in a sentence and i'll see if it's right no that's horrible
0: that's going to be so bad <laughs>
1: i don't want to give it away i feel like i might give it away
0: okay let's start with just the phrase okay, i'll try to okay, guess it and i'll also try to guess how to use it okay listen and then if not give me more okay okay all right all right ready
1: these phrases are from watcher it's a youtube channel oh Uh, yeah just so everyone knows the source this is where i pulled them from
0: credit watcher yeah stephen lim shout out
1: is he is he on that i think so i don't think he is I'm pretty sure he is. Wait, really? Yeah. Okay, I hope he is. I hope he is. <laughs> we didn't um, confuse no. him with another Asian guy. Okay. Oh god. Um
0: <laughs> we should check and cut it out if it's not. <laughs>
1: it's awkward. Um okay. Alright, alright. Let's start easy. Okay. Oh god. I've used this before, so you you hopefully know it. The first Gen Z slang phrase is caught in 4K.
0: Oh my god, I've totally heard this from me was it from you
1: <laughs> i said it like yesterday okay yeah that. you
0: heard ah uh, did you explain it to me or you just said it i did not explain it. okay yeah so you said it oh uh, no i think someone i think i've seen it on instagram <laughs> <laughs> okay i think it has something to do with you did something really embarrassing it's like someone's filming you like you know 4k wait okay, okay. caught in 4k it's like something's like really Vivid. <laughs> wait, you're getting further and further away.
1: <laughs> okay. You
0: did something really bad or embarrassing. It's not that, is it? That final answer. No, I need a sentence.
1: Okay, well Don't... I'll use. I'll just kind of describe it. Like okay. Try not to give it away. When you're caught in 4K, like, it's like, I will give it away if I say it in a sentence. But yeah. um, it's like, okay. Wait. It's not like it's okay. I'll give you a hint. It's not like physically being filmed. That's right, right, right.
0: Is it like, like a person is usually caught in 4K?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, give me, just give me an example. Even if it, it's Okay, okay. okay. To... Uh, example
1: sentence, um, Hillary was totally picking her boogers <laughs> behind the bush, <laughs> caught in 4K. Okay, okay, <laughs> but, we, no, okay, you were
0: spotted doing something embarrassing.
1: Yeah, essentially. Embarrassing or like. Like gross. It's just like caught doing something. Okay. It doesn't have to be embarrassing yeah. or gross. It's usually a negative thing, <laughs> but like their definition is. I was is, close. You are close. The definition is to be caught with undeniable digital evidence. Oh, digital evidence. Oh, see, they this have to be specific, filmed. Usually on social media. Oh. But I have seen people use it on Twitter, like, just in a tweet and not have any, like, actual evidence. It's just sort of like a meme now. Like
0: The problem <laughs> is for me when I... So I'm 29, right? So when I start using these slangs Mm hana thinks i sound still really old (laughs) yeah and all my friends think i sound really dumb because i can't use them cool i'm like oh yeah cotton 4k (laughs)
1: yeah yeah the next one is manifesting
0: oh wait we talked about this yes it means like it's just the typical english definition of the word it's like you're Uh making something happen Uh you're like you're like creating some sort of vibe or energy to make something happen it's weird to like explain these in
1: regular words yes that's definitely correct ding 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 when someone attempts to make something real through positive thoughts or optimism heck yeah manifesting
0: positivity patience and happiness in 2022
1: yeah that's good okay our next our next slang phrase is main character syndrome
0: oh i know what that is you do i mean i know what it sounds like okay it sounds like majorly arrogant person who like Uh, thinks that everything is based on them
1: like you think you're the main character of your
0: movie or whatever uh-huh. or book.
1: Alright. Let's do one more. Okay. Okay. The phrase is pick me girl. Or pick me person. Like oh, yeah, I've usually it. followed by girl.
0: I've seen this. Yeah. Isn't it just like someone wants something and then you're like someone's looking for like something, like a date or something, and you're like, Pick me girl.
1: What the fuck?
0: No? Oh <laughs> is that wrong? Dude,
1: that is so wrong. Oh, dude. And it's so funny. That is so funny. Or
0: like if they're like trying to get drinks or trying to get lit or something, and then you're like, "Pick me, girl." Holy no. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm actually the most off on this. That one. is actually so and funny. And I'm actually the most confident, so that's I not can't good. even
1: deal right now. Wait,
0: am I totally? Have totally you ever off?
1: heard someone say, "Pick me, girl," like that
0: on social media? I think, but I don't know. <laughs> I might be remembering wrong.
1: Okay. So you just have no idea, basically, what I'm hearing. Give
0: me context. (laughs) Context is,
1: um, pick me girl is, like, a description of a girl. So, like,
0: like a pick me girl. Oh, it's like a girl who, or a person who, like, just is, like, very eager and, like, wants to be involved in everything.
1: Wow, you're so wholesome. (laughs) That's, that's like, the most wholesome, innocent, like... The most eager
0: volunteer. (laughs) I, that's hilarious I just picture me Like in high school Where I just wanted to Like do all the extracurriculars Okay And I'm like Pick me
1: <laughs> Okay Pick me girl Someone who agrees With someone else's values Or ideas Just to gain their approval Usually oh. Those beliefs That they agree with Are damaging To the pick me person Got it Yeah For example Yeah Hana said that Women belong in the kitchen Just so that He would like Her Or whatever Yeah like that's a pick me girl She's though. a pick me girl <laughs> Yeah Like that
0: it's kind of become a joke. Is it, like, misogynistic? Is it mostly women that are attacking, or, or that are being attacked as pick-me girls?
1: I don't think it has a misogynistic connotation to it. Okay. I think it's sort of general. Okay. And, like, people have, like, funny jokes about pick-me, like, guys, too. Like, politicians yeah. and, like, mm. like... Oh, all politicians
0: know, are pick-me shit like guys. like that. Oh, that's actually the exact definition of a politician is a pick-me guy. Because he's like,
1: yo, pick me. Vote for me. (laughs) And then like promises things that... (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Dude,
0: all these pick-me guys in the government. (laughs) Okay, you did pretty good. I got manifesting. Yeah. And I almost got caught in 4K. Okay. And I got main character syndrome. Yeah. So I got at least two.
1: Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Two
0: Two out of four. Two and a half out of four. Crushed it. All right. Well, thank you so much for that test. That was really good. Good for me to learn. Very educational. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Generational Differences. Thank you so much for tuning in with us for our discussion about mental health. We'll be back next time to discuss other important issues and our personal experiences. But if you have suggestions for topics for us to cover, please do let us know. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Bye.